there and welcome or welcome back to the Untold Lives of Legal Aliens. I'm your host, Leila Rulea, and today is a very special day for our podcast because we are joined by our very first guest, Isabella Goldoni, and this is actually the first time we meet, uh, thanks to Sarah, who's a common friend of ours, and I'm really excited for you all to get to know Isabella a little bit more and for her to join this growing community. So, Isabella... Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I'm very excited to let everyone else hear about your story since we already have talked a little bit today. So I just want you to go ahead and start with a little bit of an introduction of yourself. So hello, everyone. My name is Isabella. I was born and raised in Panama. And then in 2017, I started college and moved to the U.S. and have been living here ever since. I started in SCAD, majored in advertising and branding with a concentration in art direction. And I have been pursuing a career in graphic design. That is so exciting. I love this. Very creative. Very different <laughs> side of like clearly the broad palette of immigrants that are in this country. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love for us to know a little bit more of like what motivated you to move here to the United States. Yeah. So I think... More than anything, I owe it to my mom. Growing up, my mom always pushed us to travel and also like to go out there, find new experiences. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And second, I always knew that I wanted to pursue a career in the creative industry. And mm -hmm. at the time in Panama, I knew I wouldn't get many opportunities there. Right. So um, not only me, but my sister as well, who pursues uh, a career in the creative industry, we both decided to come to the U.S. to pursue that. I think I said the word pursuing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, it is a pursuit at the end of the day, you know, yeah. it's something, it's a big change. And I think that definitely the opportunities here are greater. That's evident for everyone that knows, like outside of the U.S., how the U.S. kind of operates. And Maybe if you could walk us through a little bit of how was your experience when you first moved here? Um, and I know we're going to talk a little bit more about your experience with the Trump administration decision, which was actually very different from like mine, right? And it's mm -hmm. really refreshing to know a different perspective. So please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So it was actually pretty tough on me, the whole moving to the U.S. I, like I mentioned before in my introduction, I came here in September of 2017. And my first couple of semesters were rough. I feel like I didn't have like the usual college experience that I would like see on movies, of course, because I was like in art school. And at the same time, didn't have that like main get to knowing people orientation kind of thing as well if I remember actually the first I think the orientation was canceled because there was a hurricane coming so <laughs> that usually happened every beginning of the fall semester at SCAD there's always a hurricane mm -hmm. um, so I think that was skipped and then when I moved there instead of going into the dorms and having the whole experience of meeting new people I actually went writing and moved in with my sister which made me not meet people and then once I got mm -hmm. to my classes I was the only Latina there so it made it even harder for me to make friends I was a little embarrassed yeah. of my English at the time like not being very used to speaking it of course so yeah it was a rough couple of first semesters, but little by little, I 
made more friends, started opening up more, enjoyed my classes and just had my little own college experience. Of course. And I know, I mean, I think that the transitioning from high school to college life for everyone feels very rough. And I think that it's an added layer for us moving like countries entirely to get here. So just the fact that you persevere and push yourself through that challenge of not knowing people and being the only Hispanic that I cannot relate to because I moved to Florida. <laughs> so it's very different. <laughs> yeah. And I was near Miami too. So I can only like imagine how that was. But I'm glad that you stayed and you persevered through that because I definitely do know people that have left that did not have kind of like the character to like overcome those challenges. So that's already yeah. a win, you know, in my book. Um, and I know we talk a little bit about how it was for you once COVID started um, that you wanted to go spring break. And also, if you can explain a little bit to the listeners how the semesters work in Skype, because I know it's different so that they have a better understanding of how that is. Yeah, so basically at SCAD, instead of semesters, we have quarters. Um, it's four quarters a year, so basically summer, spring, fall, winter. Mm. And we only do three of them, like the summer is optional. So by the time of COVID, we were finishing the spring quarter, sorry, the winter quarter, which meant that spring break was coming and then we would start the spring quarter. Um, I vividly remember at the end of the winter quarter, I went to the ISSO office so that I could get my I-20 signed. Mm -hmm. And when I got there, I overheard this um, Asian student who was uh, asking questions about how the whole thing would would go down with COVID and spring break. And they were basically telling him, like, if you go back to your hometown for spring break in Asia. You cannot come back. Like you will not enter the US. And over like hearing that, I was like, oh, does mm -hmm. that apply to me? Because I'm literally leaving tomorrow to Panama. So like what's going on with that? And they were like, right. oh no, if you're from Panama or like any other country that's not in Asia, like you're good. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. that's a little odd, but sure. So yeah, I headed out of the office. And as I was like walking back to my house or whatever, I received an email that from the school saying that it would now be like online classes. So right. luckily for me, studying advertising, I didn't need much other than my computer. But I do mm -hmm. know that other majors such as like fashion, film, animation, they were all pretty damaged by it not damaged that's not the right word but like um injured yeah, yeah I get what you're saying like at the end of yeah, the day their career it, suffered it, mm -hmm. yeah they suffered a lot from that since they needed like for example the fashion students needed the machines to make the clothes the film needed the sets the lighting the cameras mm -hmm. so so yeah I knew that that was pretty tough on them and also in terms of like the tuition like we always had to pay the entire tuition and having that lack of resources, it was just something very unfair from the school. But um, of course, yeah, luckily for me, wasn't my experience. Right. And so I think like piggybacking on the emotion that that is like spur from you in the sense of being that scenario with the Asian students that were clearly being scared off their minds with the idea of living home even though all of their families were probably left behind and they wanted to go see them because it could have 
potentially and actually was potentially the last time they could have seen them right yep um i think the contrast for you was that maybe like because panama wasn't necessarily on that list that trump the trump administration mm-hmm. uh expounded on for saying that if you go there you're not going to come back ever it was different right and so yeah how was it to live the pandemic in your country yeah since so you were home that first that same day i think or the day that i was flying back to panama I was planning on only going for spring break for five days. And I remember that same day is the day that Panama had its first, very first case of COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, in my mind, I had like zero concept, of course, of how big COVID was going to be. So right. I flew back with my bag packed for only five days and some Lysol wipes for my mom that she wanted <laughs> COVID. Mm-hmm. Um thinking that five days later I would be back in Savannah and then celebrating my 21st birthday with my friends. And that of course did not happen. I ended up going back mm-hmm. to Panama and as soon as uh the outbreak started happening, the government took immediate action and mm-hmm. it got pretty strict to the point where we could only go out for an hour and a half based on the last digit of your national ID. So for me, it's it was seven, which meant I could go out at 7 a.m. for only that hour. And you have like wow. the window of mm-hmm. half and half. Um, to go back, yeah. To go back home, even mm-hmm. though the only thing that was open were like grocery stores. And then on top of that, it was also the days were divided by gender. So Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays was mm-hmm. Women's Day. And then Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays, I think, were Men's Days. And then on Sundays, no one could go out. And mm-hmm. that was, of course, pretty tough. You had to be locked in your home with your family yeah. all day. <laughs> Sometimes, obviously, it can get pretty hectic. That was so, a yeah, clear contrast. Yeah, every With day US. we had to try and make the best out of it. And mm-hmm. I think a good thing was me having my own like classes because then right. I would have classes for like two hours and a half. So I would have that to like spend my time on doing something mm-hmm. instead of like going crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I ended up staying for the entire year in Panama and I just kept doing my classes as usual. Yeah, and like that's, I mean, I, maybe this is political for people that hear, but I feel like that's how it should have been handled to a certain degree. I don't think that, that strictness was necessary to, I mean, my country was the same. Like Peru, they mm-hmm. decided they were going to do the same thing. I was actually also in Peru. Doing, like I was leaving Peru the day that I left. It was the first day that it got reported, the first case of COVID. So I got lucky because yeah. I was able to leave and come back. But my friends that were there, like my family that was there, they had the exact same structure, actually, which I don't know if maybe that was like a South American, Central America thing. But I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. They did it based on their same thing, national ID numbers at the end. And then they were doing it by gender. And I think that at a point there was like a same curfew for everyone because no one was really following it at first. And so they just decided no one. And then the patrols like were out sending people back to their oh, homes yeah. really enforcing this crazy yeah mm-hmm. same thing yeah. with the curfew and everything yeah it was just wild. insane and, I... and 
I feel like at one point it just went too far like it I, mm-hmm. it was a little ridiculous because then yeah obviously people would get like these permits to actually like start going out I guess mm-hmm. like for example in the interior of the country like people in the city at first they were like okay if I'm gonna be logged in my house why not go be logged in my beach house so a lot of people started doing that and as yeah. soon as the word got out they actually put like they closed the bridge that lets you like go mm-hmm. to that the interior of the country and you wow. needed like a permit saying that you were gonna like fix a light or something like they, you needed proof that you had like a job to do at your beach house or whatever mm-hmm. and everyone obviously hacked the system and left <laughs> including we love that including mm-hmm. myself yeah <laughs> so yes once everyone mm-hmm. did that it was like no now the beach is closed and you can't you can't swim in the ocean and it's like it's literally mm-hmm. open air like let me breathe like <laughs> please <laughs> I'm going insane yeah of course and I feel yeah, like coming crazy. out of no I can only imagine truly um because I was in Miami so clearly Miami being Miami was yeah. not abiding by any of those rules um but at some point clearly throughout this you ended up coming back here so when was that how was that possible like what exactly happened and how was it to come back after all of that time at home pretty much locked away yeah after that entire year I don't know how but I managed to escape at the end of December (laughs) and I flew Mm -hmm. (laughs) I flew to New York which is where my sister was at the time so I had not seen her in the entire year I flew to New York and I remember once I landed and was on my way to my sister apartment I literally started crying because I felt like a sense of freedom and like hope like seeing people walking around of course at the time New York was pretty empty so Uh it was like pretty fine like everyone left New York so it felt really good and it felt really freeing and I got to my sister's apartment and I started taking out my Clorox wipes and my hand sanitizer (laughs) and spraying my entire bag and my sister was like what are you doing like stop that right now it is not that (laughs) serious Mm -hmm. um and yeah I feel I think a few weeks later, I flew back to Savannah and continued my online classes as usual. And then one day I was in my kitchen, the Zoom meeting ended and I had finished my college degree just like that. Yeah, I remember that. What a crazy year to go to school. <laughs> it, it didn't feel so, real. No, mm-hmm. not at all. It was so weird. I literally we are the graduating my Zoom class. Yeah. yeah. I shut down my laptop and it was like, I guess that's it. All done. Now, <laughs> get a job. Yeah, and actually, that's like the hardest part as an international student. Like the education oh, yeah. comes easy, like quote unquote, mm-hmm. because clearly it's still yeah. hard to study. But oh, yeah. this is the meats and grits of like the actual conflict, I guess, like emotional conflict and turmoil of being mm-hmm. an international student, right? So yeah. you were telling me that you got a BFA. That's when you graduated from Scott. And this is considered a STEM, deg- a STEM degree, right? And so the STEM yes. degrees are able to get an extension of your OPT. So you graduated, you had three years instead of one, which is amazing. And it's a really good opportunity window to look for things. But clearly you had the worst possible context to go looking for jobs at, which is COVID. Mm-hmm. 
So how was that? Um, how did you find a job? What did you end up doing with that? How did it go? Yeah, first for the STEM, you actually mm -hmm. do your your one year OPT, and then you have to like basically re apply for the extension of two more years. Right. So mm -hmm. yeah, once I graduated. I immediately moved to New York and started looking for a job. So that was the end of my winter quarter, which means it was late March. Beginning of April, I moved to New York, started looking for a job, could not find a single thing. Every single job that I applied to, of course, you always have to mention that you are an international student and you have yeah. and you're an OPT. And then they tell you that they literally just don't feel like dealing with it. Because at the mm -hmm. same time, there's not much that they have to do. Um, so it's yeah. a really frustrating process where mm -hmm. every time you think there's a little bit of a lead, they hit you with a, are you an international? Like, are you a yeah. non-US citizen? You say, yes, that's the end of it. You got to keep looking. Mm -hmm. um, and then to top it all off, you're in a time frame where if three months go by and you don't find a job, you literally lose the opportunity and you have to leave so yeah. like I mentioned it was April now we were in around June literally still no leads for me and mm. then finally I don't know how like magic or from the universe I get a job that I ended up loving and had mm -hmm. the opportunity to stay there for two years until unfortunately I got laid off in mm -hmm. January of 2022 okay three 2023 yeah <laughs> yeah and that laid off clearly triggered again that whole desperation of having to find another job so that you could yeah. continue to stay and now your window was mm -hmm. shorter right because you had already yeah. used like around a month and a half or maybe even two months out of the three no, no. how long not was it? really not really because mm -hmm. I had the extension so right okay yeah okay mm -hmm. yeah my unemployment days were almost over when I was looking for that first job and then mm -hmm. since I completed my OPT year with that job that I was at um, I applied to the extension still being in that job and basically that made like a reset of my unemployment days nice. which is yeah. 90 days yeah so okay. when I got laid off I fortunately had uh basically 90, days. 90 days yeah to look for a Good. new job but again same frustration of looking mm -hmm. for jobs I remember uh one of my roommates at the time she was like oh let me um get a word at my job I know they're looking for graphic designers And her job reached out to me. They called me mm -hmm. and they hit me with a question. Are you, are you a citizen? No. Well, then we can't sponsor you. Sorry. After yeah. that happened, they kept sending me emails telling me to apply <laughs> and apply and apply. And I mm -hmm. literally had to reply to all of them. Like, please stop. Like, I've already told you <laughs> that. You've already told me that you can't hire me. So like, please, like I got. Oh, so giving me false hope. That. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I kept looking and looking and looking. The three months literally go by so fast. I mm -hmm. feel like I'm going insane. I'm applying to literally every single thing that I can find without even like 
looking entirely through it or thinking if I will like it or not. I'm just like applying to anything that will lend yeah. me a job, make me stay in the country. Because mm-hmm. it's crazy to think that you just have to like pack up your life and leave. Like it's it's insane. Anyways, yeah. Nothing, nothing shows up. I'm very mm-hmm. desperate and literally end up finding a job 17 days before I have to leave the country. And time during bomb. the interview, yeah, during the interview mm-hmm. process, I wasn't even sure if I was going to like the job. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of desperation and a need to stay in the country because I just wasn't ready to pack up my whole life and go back to Panama, I took the job. Yeah. No, and that clearly, I mean, if impulsive decisions already can lead to like very trying times, this was not yeah. impulsive on your end because it was kind of like this was the only option you had. So, regardless of yeah. how bad this itself was, and you didn't necessarily mm-hmm. like look into how bad it could be, but, but you were getting the feeling, right? You were telling me yeah, that you. There was, there was a lot of stress because. Also, I, not knowing that I was going to be laid off, I had made like a little bit of a plan for myself. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. one of the things, like I was getting a puppy. This puppy was coming in May, like it was happening. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then I get laid off. I maybe have to leave the country. What do I do with this puppy? Like he's arriving now. Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. how how do I make this happen? So there was just a lot of things in the air. And with the frustration of trying to look for a job and maybe leaving the country, like the possibility of leaving the country or staying and finding a job literally through like a miracle. I remember my mom, I remember telling my mom, like, I'm done. Like, let me just go back. Like I gave up. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you're in a very stressful situation and being in a Mm -hmm. stressful situation, you should not make this type of decision. Like, please, hang in there, wait it out, you'll find something. But you saying that you want to give up and go back and do this and do that, you don't really want to. You're just desperate to get rid of this pressure and stress. Of course, the circumstances were overwhelming. And like, I feel like in on itself, the job search is so, like it beats you up no matter who you are. But again, we're going into kind of like this common and share experiences that we have with everyone, but then the added layer of being an international student or an immigrant ourselves in general gives us that pressure of like 90 days is nothing. 90 days is a blink of an eye, you know, and to try to find a job that you can see yourself staying at because you don't have the freedom of just saying like, you know, I'm going to try it. I'm going to apply. And if I don't like it, I'll quit because you can't. Mm -hmm. And so we are, we're very, I guess determined, but also kind of like to our own detriment to some degree, because once we get this position of like working, we know we're going to tough it out and just make it through. But also Mm -hmm. like to what point, you know, and I kind of think that that goes hand in hand with your experience. And that's why I love so much that I got to talk to you about this and share it with other people because you found this job that was shitty (laughs) and that they were not treating you right. And you still stay there for nine months, which is Trust me, yeah. more than many people do when they don't like something. So just yeah. by that, it's a big command. And then you decided, you know, this is just not it for me. So how was that the decision-making process? Like, how did it go about? And like now with what's mm-hmm. going to happen in your future? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, so like I said, when I was going through the interview process, I already knew it, that it it was very it was a very interesting job position and and company and everything, but being through going through the interviews and getting to know my manager and my boss, there was just something that I there was a disconnect from the beginning and I knew I wasn't going to mm-hmm. like it and it wasn't going to be all flowers and rainbows as my previous job was like I loved my previous job and I knew this one was not going to be anywhere near it I started that job immediately didn't like it from the get-go it was just a lot I ended up learning a lot I had to take on a lot of things so it was a big change from my previous job Mm -hmm. but I think the fact that I had loved my previous job so much. I knew that somewhere out there in the world, there were good people and good environments to working. And I knew that I didn't have to put up with what I was putting up at the moment. So if it wasn't for the fact that I was like on the visa and had like my apartment lease and everything, I would have left my job like way before the nine month mark. Yeah. And I mean, eventually you did leave and yeah. and decided, well, with, with leaving the job, now not having mm-hmm. unemployment, that's kind of like where your OPT yeah. comes out for you. And so you decided you're going back now to Panama. Yeah. So that decision came from the fact that for a while I've been doing like a little bit of freelance on the side. Well, actually, mm-hmm. going back to the time where I got laid off, those three months that I was laid off, other than applying jobs like an insane person, I feel like I got a little taste of freelancing um, and I ended up loving it. So mm-hmm. I always had that in the back of my mind, but I knew like I had this opportunity with a visa and working in the United States. Like I could not just like give it up like that. Yeah. So, yeah, this not liking that job of mine I started thinking more and more about like me freelancing and everything and made the decision that it wasn't me that I was just like giving up to this huge opportunity it was just the fact that in the long run what I genuinely decided for myself and my career I was not gonna find it there so I made the big decision of quitting my job and going back to Panama which I'm doing in two weeks from now okay so clearly that was a very big decision made and it was not taken lightly because you knew that that entailed that you were going to be leaving all of the life that you have built in this country behind and now going back home to Panama which I mean you do have a life there too but you left it a while ago as well so the you version of yourself that left is not the you version that is coming back. Yeah. And so, I don't know, I would like to know more of like, how did your mental process went into going that and your considerations of your own mental health into this decision? Yeah, of course. I feel like ever since I actually started college, I've been going through a lot of self-growth. Um. Mm-hmm. And it's when I generally started like dealing with my mental health and everything. So I've gone through so much change throughout the years that, as you said, like I'm not the same person I was when I left. And with that is, like I mentioned, 
quitting that job and making the decision of going back to Panama. It's something that past me would have like never made or would have thought of myself as a failure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I feel like my entire experience has just made me mature into the person that I am today and made me also know my worth. And I yeah. think that also comes a lot through all the job interviews and looking for a job and everything. Like you start questioning your abilities mm -hmm. and all the things that you can or cannot do. So you literally have to grow like a tough skin. And I also feel like, I don't know, it's just so, so personal. So in my experience, mm -hmm. it's like moving to New York. It's not easy. Not everyone can do it. It's a tough city. Everything is just so like fast paced and yeah. people and everything. So mm -hmm. I feel like that plus the job search, plus like my own life experiences with like friends and relationships and everything. Um, plus your visa. <laughs> yeah, everything. I just mm -hmm. uh, had to like hone in, go within and learn how to deal with it all. And I'm a very self-aware person and I love journaling, which I started doing in college and I love mm -hmm. wellness and everything. So I always love taking care of myself and made sure that I took care of myself. Yeah. So all of that growth. Yeah. I don't know. I think I went off from the point. No, no, you were definitely at it. I think that if, if I'm like reading correctly, what you're saying is kind of, all of these changes that have made you evolve had made you realize that this is not failing because you are actually recognizing that you're worth so much that all of this stress and pressure and this overall being beaten down by the system that we're part of was enough. Like, you know, and yeah. that you, you had not been brought to this world for whatever purpose you're here for, right? To just have mm -hmm. to go through all this hardship that... Yeah. Yes, it made you grow, it made you stronger, it made you like the person you are today, but it didn't have to, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, I think that's... it's not, yeah, it's not that it wasn't worth it. Of course, it was mm -hmm. worth it. Like, I have gained so much experience and have grown my skill set in ways I would have never if I stayed in Panama. Of but course. I think I've reached a point where I know I can move on successfully. Yeah. Um, without staying here either in a toxic job environment or just in like keep dealing with the pressure and the whole thing of the visa of course and I think that to add an extra layer to that so that people can understand it's just that not only did you have the possibility of being sponsored with this job because you mentioned to me that you did but it was just that if you do get sponsored by someone it's a commitment of three years minimum with that job yep. and so having to endure this kind of environment for nine months was already exhausting mm -hmm. I can only imagine how it would have been for three years yeah and yeah I would have people that would tell me like you're already in it like it can only get better from here and then like mm -hmm. just like just do it get sponsored by them because once you work in the U.S. for five years you can apply for the green card And if you right. think about the OPT plus the two years of STEM, I already had three in my pocket. I would only have to endure two out of those three B 
being sponsored so I, that I could apply for my green visa and then do basically the freelancing, which is what I want to do or look for another job or do whatever I want while staying in the US. But like I mentioned, I just didn't think it was worth staying. And I knew that I could grow and go into the my dream career without that. Yeah, of course. I do want a small clarification with the work visa getting like sponsor. It's is once you get the H1B. So technically your OPT yeah. time does not count to accrue for the five years to then become a citizen. No, I know it should, but it doesn't. It's well, only once that. you get the well... H1B approved. <laughs> so okay. it's even more steps to it because yeah, OPT is just an extension of your F1 visa. And so it's not considered in their eyes like an actual work experience for the U.S. to certify you as a citizen. It's just considered as optional practical training of your education and then you can still go home. See, so, I yeah. didn't even knew that. Imagine if I would have been sponsored and <laughs> been hit with that piece of news. I yeah, know. No. <laughs> even no, it's, it keeps adding up. For me now. Yeah. <laughs> More layers to it. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, I, I do really, I know I said this a lot throughout your experiences and hearing your experiences, but I do really commend everything you've done because I think that just making this decision takes some big cojones to do. <laughs> Um, yeah. because as you said it's not giving up it's just deciding that okay you know what I'm moving on like this is as far as the stage was supposed to get to for me I've learned what I was supposed to and now I'm going to take my knowledge and my experience and your skill set elsewhere where you know you're going to be more recognized and that you're going to be having the freedom to travel and to just make your own decisions to decide where to work to really have like I guess all those privileges that maybe Americans forget they have in their perspective mm -hmm. on the day-to-day -day that yeah. we don't and that we don't get a chance to kind of like be picky or choosy about. So I think that everything you've done is tremendous and that just the fact that you got an education here and you were able to stay here to do it is in on itself an accomplishment that a lot of people in your country will for sure not yeah. be able to say they have. And yeah, I mean... This is kind of like what I wanted to discuss and this is the purpose of this whole podcast is to have people learn about experiences like yours and to see that it is a difficult decision to make when you're found in this fork of like, where is your life moving forward to after graduating from school? Mm -hmm. But it's not the end of the world, you know? Like, I think that we catastrophize a lot this situation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's normal because we've been I mean, here yeah, for, like, exactly. you know, so long. Like 2017, 2024, seven years like it's not nothing and I've been here for almost nine so it's like and I am like kind of like in the same crossroads I, as you are but like not deciding yet because my time is still in the future so that inspires me truly to think it differently and to see it as yeah. like you know what this may feel like your wall is ending but it's just a door closing and another one opening up so yeah thank you very much for sharing your story with me and with everyone here or listening I guess not here um, <laughs> I really appreciate thank, it thank you for giving me the space and time to share it and I was just going to mention that even though our experiences are so different it is nice that we're able to relate in some sort of ways for sure I do think so too and I feel like that's kind of like again the purpose of this podcast and I think that that's personally something I was missing a lot to have people that I'm like finally like I'm being listened to you know it's not just being heard but 
listened and understood. And that's a completely different level of intimacy that you get, even with a stranger, because we're technically strangers to each other. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very nice. It's very nice to hear it. And I hope that everyone listening gets to have, you know, a moment of relatedness themselves and hopefully inspires them to kind of want to open up about their own stories and want to share it here in this platform. And there's a lot more to come with this. So I hope that everyone stays tuned with this podcast and help me spread the word so we can create a true community for all of us. Thank you very much, Isa. Thank you. (laughs)